0: Hi, everyone. And welcome to Hear Here, my audiobook podcast. I'm Dan Masterton, and I'm reading to you from my second fiction story, Abundance, Not Scarcity. If you'd like to get a paperback copy of the book, or if you'd like a free copy of this story as an ebook optimized for iPhone or iPad, visit my Linktree at linktr.ee Dan Masterton. That's l i n k t r.ee Dan Masterton. There's links there to all my writing including the link to the paperback order form, as well as a link to the Google Drive folder with free ebook versions of both of my fiction stories. My previous story, What There Is To Be Done, is also available in this podcast feed. Just hop back to season one. I'd love to hear your thoughts and feedback about these stories. Find me on Twitter at thisladdan, or email me at dmastert at alumni.nd.edu. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this chapter, and stick around at the end for a bonus reflection. May we all identify and come to understand God's ongoing invitations for us. Cheers! Mid-stride, Noah pulled his phone out of his pocket. He opened the clock app. He chose the timer. Noah scrolled the dial to 32 minutes. He changed the alert sound to vibrate only. Then he pressed start and slid it back into his pocket as he reached the entry doors. He took a quick breath to steady and quiet himself before pulling open the outer door. Winter had more than given way to spring. The clocks were now sprung forward, such that the sun was still shining in the late afternoon. Noah stepped inside from the warm glow of the sun to the mildly air-conditioned cool of the church vestibule. Ever the guilty Catholic, as soon as Noah saw the entry doors into the nave were propped open, he stopped on his heels he had to catch the outer door of the church as it swung shut so that he could bring it to rest as gently and quietly as he could, even if the modern soft-close hinges kept it from making any cacophonous sound when shutting. Once he had brought the door to quiet rest, he slowly shuffled forward through the open doors and reached to bless himself in the holy water of St. Lucy Church. After the sign of the cross, he surreptitiously put up two fingers like a peace sign, pointed them to his two eyes, and looked up toward the stained glass of St. Lucy with a friendly and reverent nod. Noah took a quick look around at the pews to scout out a place to sit before the Blessed Sacrament. The church was into the Easter season. Christ was risen, truly he is risen. At church on the second Sunday of Easter, the parish was plugging the Easter campaign for 50 days of adoration. The pastor had pledged to expose the Blessed Sacrament each day from 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., and challenged the parish to support 50 days of adoration in celebration of the 50 days of Easter all the way to Pentecost. Somehow Noah had missed this call on Easter Sunday, but when he heard it the second time, the seed landed on fertile soil. It had been a few weeks since Noah had seen Father C. That conversation took place during Lent, as did his meet-up with his old friends. For whatever reasons, he hadn't taken on any Lenten disciplines, other than something about the prayer journey he had started felt like enough. But then as the chat with his old form master fell further into his rearview mirror, and as he put off reaching back out for another chat, Holy Week and Easter sort of snuck up on him. And he hadn't had another extraordinary presence of prayer since then, on top of getting a bit lax with his attempts at reciting the Psalms and seeking out disciplined pieties to try. At work he was in a good groove, keeping at his assigned claims in steady order. He showed up on time, worked efficiently, and was leaving at a reasonable hour. His efficiency was making him feel rather like a drone. After a couple weeks of work like this, he could sense his roboticism seeping all across his life again, and Noah worried that his prayer life was going to get automated with it. And so entered the blessing of simply showing up to church each week. If Noah could just get himself to the pews on a Sunday, it gave him a chance to receive something among the Word and Eucharist and community, even if he wasn't looking for it or expecting it. Showing up was a way to come and seek God, even if he didn't know why. On that second Sunday of Easter, the announcements after communion were the moment that helped shake him up. The grace of clarity has been coming when I hear humble, faithful suggestions and follow the direction, Noah reminded himself. And if I'm just punching in and punching out of every day, then I'm not giving myself a chance. I got to get back at it. On his way out of church that Sunday, Noah stopped at the sign-up sheet. He was amazed to see one of the parish staff was standing nearby with a tablet. She was inviting people to sign up via a QR code and smart device. She was also ready to assist technology-challenged parishioners with her parish tablet. Noah was impressed as he scanned the code and nodded when she asked if he was good to go. Noah's phone revealed a sign-up website. He scrolled through and found a slot of 5 to 5.30 p.m. on that upcoming Wednesday. That would be a nice way to break up the week, Noah thought, as he secured the slot. I think I should probably try to make this a weekly thing, but let's start with one. So that Wednesday, he got out of work a smidge early and made it over to the church by 5 p.m. He walked inside promptly to join a few other folks in holding down the fort for adoration that afternoon. The schedule sign-up was staggered to ensure at least one person was present in prayer at all times, but it also wasn't meant to limit each slot to just one person. Noah chose a place in the third row, which he entered off the center aisle. A few folks were scattered around the nearby pews, each with a decent bubble of space for their silent prayer. Noah genuflected by grabbing the top of the pew and leaning down to touch his knee to the ground. When he rose back up, Noah's side shuffled a few feet into the pew and sat down. As he thought briefly about where to begin, he noticed a few pamphlets scattered across the pews, including one just beside him. Noah pulled down the kneeler and grabbed a pamphlet. He decided he'd start there. Noah planted his knees on the beat-up, old, sheeny cushion of the kneeler and swayed back and forth a few times to find a comfy point in the pious grooves. He flipped open the pamphlet past the logo and cover to see what was inside. Some basic prayers, lists of the rosary mysteries, scripture citations for things like the Bread of Life and Last Supper, and then flipping to the backside, Noah landed on a few miscellaneous cloaks and nuggets. The last one caught his eye as he skimmed it, so he slowed down and read it carefully. Sometimes we need to empty our hearts to God exhaustively talking through all the wants and needs, all the questions and petitions on our minds and hearts. God is a happy, patient listener, yet God also knows all of the things in our hearts and minds. So what if sometimes we consider just starting there? Try beginning your prayer today by simply saying, God, you know all the desires and petitions within me. Please hear and respond to my prayer according to your will. Help me to find quiet and peace to hear you and listen today. Noah took a beat. The church was as quiet as if it were empty. Hmm, I kind of like that, Noah thought. Okay, pamphlet, I'll bite. Noah turned to set the paper down on the pew and then straightened back up to continue his prayer. Well, God, you know the needs and desires of my heart, Noah began. He left some space, resisting the urge to exhaustively list out a litany and inviting God to move through the space and dwell with him. Please hear and respond to these needs according to your will. Noah was keeping calm and quiet, remembering only the simplicity of his singular petition made directly to Christ. He then continued in the vein of the pamphlet. Help me to find quiet and peace to hear you and listen today. But I'm going to sit down while I listen. Noah nodded gently, a mildly awkward ascent to Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. He then slid back out of the indentations in the padding and gently rested back on the pew to try to hear and listen. Noah sat quietly. He tried to still his mind. When a thought arose, he didn't deny it. He just acknowledged it and tried to let it float by without seizing upon it. At Mass, he often liked to look around and invite what he saw to spur on his prayer. Here at Adoration, there were just a very few people, and each was sitting very still and quiet immersed in whatever piety before the Lord. Noah bounced his head a bit, sort of ansily, feeling like he was waiting for something and nothing all at once. Maybe because he saw a neighboring person did it, maybe because it's so deeply ingrained in Catholic piety, he felt like doing the sign of the cross. Noah glanced toward the monstrance on the altar and then dipped his chin a bit and closed his eyes. He reached his right hand up to his forehead and silently prayed as his hand moved in cruciform. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen, Noah heard from a small crowd of voices. He lifted his chin and opened his eyes. The monstrance was still on the altar. He was still in his parish church, but now he was ten rows back, still seated just off the middle aisle, but now he was watching a priest lead from the ambo as a scattered group of a few dozen high schoolers were spread about the front rows of the church. The priest had just led them all in the sign of the cross and now began to speak to the group. Thank you all for being here today. We're so glad to have you here for our parish immersion day. It's been such a joy to welcome you to our church and share and explain our sacred space with you in our tour. I was so delighted to bring you over for our prayer buddies time in some of our elementary classrooms. The art projects you all made are such a lovely way to decorate for this Easter season. And the tender story times and joyful playroom games I saw in the classrooms were such a gift, the priest shared. Noah was trying to find his bearings. Okay, these kids are clearly teenagers. High school students? He said parish immersion day. So this is a field trip of sorts, Noah surmised. The priest continued. We hope you enjoyed your pizza lunch and that it was good fuel for our little service project, weeding and planting and mulching in our growing parish gardens. The way you all cared for the grounds and the spring and summer growth and green will be an enduring gift for the community as the weather warms. Noah was nodding. This sounds like a pretty cool day. Good on these kids, Noah thought. Our parish does have a lot to share in those regards, and it's good the kids got to see it. It makes the parish look nicer, and it represents good stewardship. Maybe it will make them more inclined to come to Sunday Mass or check out our youth group or something. We're grateful for our partnership with Our Lady of Grace High School. It's a blessing to have this special connection with all of you and to hold you all in prayer in our parish community. And of course, the priest continued, We're grateful for the great work of Mr. Noah to make a day like this possible. The priest raised his hand to gesture toward Noah in the back as he said this, and some kids turned to look and smile, while others sat apathetically still. Noah kind of smiled and nodded, not sure how to react. I plan this? Um, okay, I, I guess I could have come up with something like this. It feels like something I would support. But those kids are in uniform, and this seems like a school day. Noah, who'd never worked a day in a school, observed to himself. His mind leapt to Michelle for a beat, and then back to deciphering the moment. It's been a blessing to be able to send him over to the school to get to know you better and organize things like this, and what better way to conclude our day than to spend some time in quiet, relaxed listening before the Lord. We invite you to enter into this period of quiet prayer however you're comfortable. Take a peek at the pamphlets we've left you in your seats to spark some ideas for prayer, and otherwise enjoy the prayerful rest, which we often don't make enough of a point of doing in our lives, the priest concluded. The priest stepped away from the ambo. He approached the altar where he reverenced the Blessed Sacrament and then headed down the sanctuary steps. As he walked down the aisle toward the rear of the church, he gave Noah a quick point and a thumbs up before he passed by. Noah acknowledged him. Then Noah sunk back into analysis. Okay, so I'm liaising between parish and school? Is this a job then? And is this a parish job or a school job? Noah had a lot of internal questions. And if these are students I'm getting to know better, then who the heck are they? Noah looked around. Every student was sitting several feet away from the next closest student. Most were sitting, and a few were kneeling. Several were busying themselves with the pamphlets, whether out of curiosity or nervous boredom. Like, who's that boy, Noah wondered, of a sizable white male student? I bet he goes really hard at basketball, like, he's got exceptional court awareness and team concept, but not enough individual ability. I bet he brings the same attitude to service and leadership, too. Even though he's not a strong student, like, if I put him in a retreat leader spot with the freshman, I bet he'd be the loudest, most raucous icebreaker and team builder out there, Noah theorized. He paused a moment. How did I just rattle off such a scenario, he mused. That was not spontaneous. I did not improvise that. I knew that. Whoa, what else do I know? Noah looked next to the tall, bulky boy with the big heart and generous attitude. In that spot next to him was an average-sized Latina girl who looked downright small next to that boy. Oh, she's a tricky one. She has the brightest smile and a friendly attitude, but she cannot stick with anything. She has a thoughtful heart, a reflective faith, and magnetism toward helping others, and then she just can't get into that next gear. But she responds to the call-outs. She wants to be challenged. She needs to hear that you notice when she doesn't show up, that you make sure she knows she's missed, and that you remind her that she can bring a lot to the table. She's the kid who goes right to the top of the leadership heap if she can just show up. But she just needs to get past no-showing out of fear that she'll fall short. She needs to complete the transaction once and see how great she is. Okay, this is cool, Noah admitted to himself. It sort of felt like he was some sort of soothsaying, mind-reading psychic. But it also felt like he was just processing recent memories. Okay, one more, Noah thought. One row in front of her was another Latina girl. She looked comfortable being in church— being before the Blessed Sacrament. She wasn't kneeling, but she didn't seem fidgety or glazed over like some of her peers. That girl can do it all, Noah declared. She would never flaunt it, never rub it in anyone's face, never make anyone feel inferior. But she listens to her teachers and gets it right away. She learns the rules and follows them, not because she's afraid of punishment, but because she knows why they're in place. She watches her friends be petty and immature and doesn't stoop to it. High school is a breeze for her, and she's under-challenged but I think she's also drifting away. She needs more peers who recognize her respectfulness and will meet her where she is. She needs teachers who know she can handle tougher asks and challenge her to keep growing. That girl has a uniquely old soul and a teenager's life. She is going to launch into college, Noah thought. Just as Noah was zooming out from these three students, he had a tap on his shoulder. He turned to see the priest from before now sitting two rows back, leaning over the empty pew behind him. The priest gave a small hand gesture and head tilt toward the vestibule of the church, so Noah stood up to head out there with him. The priest stopped in the area just outside the propped open doors into the nave. Jesus will keep closer watch over them, the priest joked, as they stopped to talk while continuing to supervise the students from the rear of the church. So I just had to do one quick check with our business manager to make sure everything is in order. And it is, the priest began. My last question was about benefits. It turns out that since the high school and the parish are both directly administered by the diocese, your benefits indeed can be the typical package. We'll just split the employer-based costs 50-50 between the two institutions, so congratulations. Noah smiled, though incompletely, hoping it wasn't entirely unconvincing. He simply wasn't sure what he was being congratulated for. I know we had talked about a six-month trial, but things have been going so well that we wanted to move it along. The principal started to talk about trying to create a full-time position for you, but I couldn't lose you from the parish. So since she had been financing the whole of your stipend while we try this out, I told her I would come up with the parish funds and confirm the benefits so we could lock in this new hybrid role, the priest explained. Noah was trying to keep up. So full-time, full benefits, off the archdiocesan school's pay scale so we can pay you at parish rates, which are better, and a written contract is in the works. We get to hang on to you for youth ministry and family faith formation, and now the school gets to add you as a partial campus minister. We can keep this new pipeline open and growing. That way we can further connect the institutions and try to engage the students more fully in parish life, whether they already belong here or otherwise, the priest concluded. The priest turned back toward the students in the Blessed Sacrament. He kind of bounced as he nodded, clearly pumped up by the prospect of this arrangement. I know this is completely fresh, so take it in prayer for a bit, the priest said, gesturing back to the altar but know that I wouldn't have made this happen if I didn't think it made sense for you and them and us. The priest gave Noah an excited smack on the shoulder blade. I'll be in touch, he added as he backpedaled away and wheeled around to head back to the offices for a bit, always keeping up some significant velocity. Noah was reeling a bit, trying to take that all in. For now he gave in to the gravitational pull of the altar, as well as the obligations of supervision, and retook his seat behind the students. He was struggling to get more than a dumbfounded look on his face. His confused gaze landed back on the monstrance and re-encountered Christ in this somewhat jarring reality. Noah started to think about not working in insurance. That thought didn't trouble him. He then thought about working at the parish, not just as a volunteer young adult chairperson, but apparently as a salaried formal employee. That thought brought some skepticism, but didn't feel foreign to him or who he is. Then he thought of bi-locating, of working in both the parish and the school, he thought of religious ed classes on Sundays and Wednesdays, of middays at the school in the cafeteria and study halls, of overnights and weekends on retreat and service immersions, of special sacramental liturgies on Saturdays with bishops and pushy MCs for dozens of first communicants or confirmation teens. This job would certainly not be an 8-to-5, Noah thought. There would have to be a lot of flex time involved, and maybe I could choose one day of the week to just be off. I know a lot of priests try to do that. I feel like there would be a lot of bleed, like this job could seep into every morning, afternoon, and evening if I weren't careful. I don't think I'd be able to set firm hours, but I'd have to find a way to limit myself so I don't get overextended and burnt out. But man, this parish immersion day is pretty cool. You could maybe add on a shadow period where students follow clergy and staff members around for an hour and see their work. You could hold service and ministry events here at the parish to get students more accustomed to being on site. Maybe students on the fence about joining a youth group or doing confirmation prep would register here to get involved and participate with their school friends. Maybe some of the high school students would even volunteer to train as catechists and maybe buddy up with adults to help run a classroom. Noah continued looking around, from altar to students and back, and bringing his view out to the whole church before him. His heart and mind were not quiet, actively turning over the ins and outs of what this arrangement could look and feel like. He could find some pros and some cons. He could get some sense of the part of the shape of it all. But it all still felt a bit opaque, a bit ungraspable. This would not feel anything like my punch clock job, that's for sure. But what would it be like? Would it be like my volunteer year? That was a different mindset. I didn't need to worry about bills and savings. It was like a one-year holiday on gearing into adulthood. My student debt was deferred, and I didn't have to worry about financing a car, paying rent, orienting a career— But then the year ended and I did transition to those realities. Can I go back into such a self-emptying and immersive role? Where do career and social life and a girlfriend fit? How do I find presence and peace with all of that? Noah's curiosity and creativity were sparked by this equation, but the way he was starting to wrap his head all the way around the scenario sowed doubts. It felt like it was calling for a mindset that he doubted he could regain, or one that would take serious sacrifice to rediscover. The whole of this calculus was unclear to him. He could sense that there was potential in re-establishing a self-giving mindset, but something felt steep about transitioning from insurance and Sunday Mass over to a bajillion hours a week in professional ministry. Noah tried to distinguish the uncertainty of shifting to that mindset from the known good of living it out, while he remembered Father C.'s comment that his prayer was drawing out things already within him. His eyes took him upward to St. Lucy whose stained glass image on the wall was refracting in a healthy heaping of springtime sunlight. He gave her a nod and a two-fingered peace sign, ICU sign, and looked back to the altar. Once again, the pews were sparsely filled. There were no students, just a few adults. Jesus was still there, though. Noah's eyes landed once again on the monstrance. Well, Christ, whatever quiet and listening are supposed to mean, I'm going to assume the things that just happened were that. And that there was the grace of clarity woven into that whirlwind. Noah thought, prayed to Jesus. Glad to be back on the pony again today. Noah chuckled and shook his head in mild disbelief. His phone started buzzing aggressively. He slid it out of his pocket. His half hour of adoration was up. Noah silenced the buzz and nodded deferently. He pulled down the kneeler to offer a brief word of spontaneous prayer and a glory be in summation. He pushed the kneeler back up, slid down the pew back to the aisle, and genuflected to the altar in blessed sacrament. Noah stood up and headed on up the middle aisle to exit the church. His last thought as we passed through the vestibule out to the springtime air was sort of a prayer. Well, damn Jesus. The place of a parish in the church today, I think, is a really interesting question especially in America, especially coming out of COVID, and especially with religious trends among young people. Uh, Springtide Research, who studies religion and spirituality in teens and young adults, has come to call it faith unbundled. It's the idea that young people are still looking for spiritual engagement, but they're not going to look for it in the ways that previous generations did. Whereas we would naturally think of going to mass or other religious services, belonging to a faith community through formal registration, donation, regular engagement, and some sort of programming. Young people just don't see it that way. And I think they, Generation Z and those coming after them, will probably have to reckon with the crumbling of institutions that they may not realize they valued that will fall apart because they won't have a solid enough membership and engagement base to draw upon. So there's going to be a bit of a reckoning there, I'm sure. But one of the things that uh, it also means for the church is that there could be a lot of potential and possibility for creativity um, and kind of apostolic dynamism that perhaps hasn't existed well to this point. And I think part of it could be really simple. In My experience with parish life and some diocesan offices, we have a bit of a, a narrow imagination in terms of how we put together a parish staff, how we put together a diocesan office departmentally and with directors and it probably won't do a good job of engaging and re-engaging people of upcoming generations currently kind of with millennials but with gen z and those coming behind us as well i think that there needs to be a greater focus on advancement and institutional um, fundraising and marketing such that young people have a better understanding of why you donate to the church instead of just, it's something you do, um, which is endemic to me because of how I was raised in the parish community I belong to, but I don't think is anywhere near the norm now that it used to be before. I also think it's an opportunity to go back to some of the basics that made parish life great in certain countries, certain regions of the United States, and in different ways in different communities, but really simple things like Priests and deacons and religious and pastoral staff members visiting parishioners in their homes, asking if they come over for a cup of coffee, they can join for a meal uh, and bring drinks or dessert, and doing more retail, socializing, and fellowship on a family-to-family basis, but also through social events at the parish, because I think those relationships become the foundation of anything else that's going to happen not least among that, the proclamation of Jesus Christ and the opportunities to create missionary disciples and people who live out of faith that does justice in their community. I think it's those relationships focusing on reestablishing those relationships, probably by starting with newly registered parishioners who do take the time to find a church, register at that community. It's Realizing that those people are coming to a new place and are probably looking for someone to introduce themselves and provide them some initial opportunities to meet people and get engaged in the community. And then from there, building out a stronger network of relationships and um, community connections. And then it's those groups uh, of families, of young adults, of parents, of single people who can come together around common interests like ecology and environment, like feeding or clothing the hungry like teaching the faith to young people as religious education catechists or confirmation sponsors. And that sort of foundational stuff is so seriously lacking. Um, I think largely because generationally, we've lost track of what at our DNA is really good for establishing and sustaining the vitality of a community. But also because the church is just such a slow moving, slow changing you know, barge cruise ship of a monster, that it doesn't necessarily adapt to this stuff well. And I think there is a middle ground between bringing the people to the faith and bringing the faith to the people. And I think that sort of retail ministry um, and focus on socializing and fellowship and one-on-one encounter is what can rebuild that foundation so that the catechesis and the discipleship can reemerge in a new, more sustainable way. And the sad but true thing is that success might not mean that the pews are filled on a Sunday at Mass to the extent that they were before. You might find that more people re-engage by taking part in a collective social action like a soup kitchen or a food pantry, or by being a part of an ecological effort like Meatless Mondays. Um, And maybe they do come to Mass for Christmas and Easter or... One Sunday every month or two, but it might not mean the same sort of belonging and engagement that we had before. And I don't think that we need to accept a smaller church as inevitable, but I do think we need to have more flexible understandings of what it means to engage with one's spirituality and what it means to engage with the Catholic tradition as a religious expression. Um, and I hope that we can be. Hospitable and welcoming to people who might engage in less traditional ways and build relationships in a way that our accompaniment helps those people become all that God made them to be and find the fullness of religious expression that they are looking for. And I hope that there can be an imagination and creativity that brings us there um, before too many of our churches and schools close, that we fall into some kind of panic or insularity. Or, you know, enclave sort of attitude where we just become very small, inward looking, inward turned micro communities, but rather that we can creatively and dynamically remain a ubiquitous nationwide, worldwide presence for good, for deep, deepened lived faith, um, and for strong communities where Christ is present and we can do things. Both spiritually and socially, that help people become who God made them to be. That's all for this episode. Remember, all the links for this book and my other writing is at my Linktree, linktr.ee/danmasterton. That's l i Dan t r.ee/danmasterton. Thanks for listening. And I hope your gifts and passions are meeting the needs of the people and world around you. Instrumentals for this podcast were improvised and performed by Jason Pham.